welcome to Podship Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. With all that's going on in the world, we need all the friends we can muster. Friends that we make as children and then manage to keep for a lifetime are rare. When I was four, I met Shane Minogue. We went to the same village school in Grantchester, rolled down the edge of what had been a Roman camp in plastic barrels, and went to movies every Saturday in Cambridge. I can still remember us going to see Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 2 and laughing so hard I thought I was going to die. We would climb over my neighbor's wall to steal apples and we had plans to make a rocket to visit the moon. Shane was part of my family, and he always will be. In college, we lived together on Columbia Road in London's East End and ate the best Indian food imaginable. We bought a lot of records. Shane loves reggae, and I love the blues. And when I moved to Berkeley, Shane was the first to visit. The same was true in Washington, D.C. and Cape Cod. Shane and my brother, Ramey, were my best men at my wedding, and I got to wear a kilt for Shane's wedding to Mary Rose in Edinburgh, And when his daughter Maeve had complications when she was born, I couldn't sleep for weeks, hoping she'd be okay. Luckily, Maeve is perfect. Shane worked like a madman, got his PhD from University College London, and now is a professor and actual cancer scientist at the Institute for Liver and Digestive Health at UCL. I say all this because for me, we'll always just be kids mucking around in Grantchester. I caught up with Shane the last time I was in the UK. We talk about audio equipment, membrane trafficking, religion, the secret of a good Guinness, why Shane was always the hippest kid in school, and how Shane turned me into a vegetarian. Yeah, the meters are down there, see? I'm sure it's fine. The, it's if good. he maximizes it, your editor. So if he boosts the level yeah. up and it's being recorded too low, then he'll get that hiss. Yeah, we don't want to get that hiss. No, no hiss. Don't want the hiss. No, no hiss. Okay. Well, no hissy fit. Yeah. I'm impressed by your microphones. <laughs> That's what Ramey said. Was he impressed with the microphones? They're, they're enormous. They're, the, sort of this. they're good sized. Uh oh, wait, wait. It's all right. I feel like um, Mick Jagger or something. To... <sighs> I'm here in Finsbury Park, London, with my old best friend, Shane Minogue. Welcome, Shane. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. And well, this is your house. No, I meant here on the construct that is your show, your podcast show. Thing is that I didn't realize, of course, before I came to Shane's house, is that he's an audiophile. So every single thing that I have, he's like, hmm, is that, is that, oh, I have a mic which is slightly older and better than the ones that you have. But so on this, on this, shoestring budget shane i'm going to do my best to record your genius you shouldn't be apologetic about this because first of all 
I'm not really an audiophile. I have an an old interest. <laughs> no longer. It's an area of pleasure that's been cordoned off for me. That's, uh, that's but sad. The, yes, it is. Why has it been sad. cordoned but, off? You know, Look at all what, these records. I think these, these microphones are fantastic. And it's not lost on me that the next person that will be speaking into this will be the father of Boris Johnson. And How I, does that make you feel? Well, I had a, you got a long, here before Boris Johnson. That's the, the most it, important thing. It's okay. I I bear him no ill will. Actually, I had a word with myself quietly over breakfast and said that we can't actually blame him for his his offspring, who might be the spawn of something terrible. But he, it's not his father's fault, and it's too late to do anything about it. it Good points. Good you know, points all round. The options. But your daughter is contraception is and things like that. Amazing, and I give you full credit for that. Thank you very much. Don't forget her mother as well, who contributed at least fifty percent in terms of genetics, but also disproportionately in terms of upbringing and discipline. The thing is that I didn't actually address pairs, Shane properly. Pairs. He is Doctor Shane Minogue. I'm actually a professor now, but that's oh uh, wow. Big, that's a big deal. No, what they no, did no, is no. they just took your... You'd understand because you're American. Um, they changed all the titles to uh, the American version. So you're just a professor now. Well, just a professor. Not many people. I prefer the old Hair doctor professor is what I like to refer to you as. I actually like that. A hair doctor or... Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Like German. We yeah, both okay. have hair and that's a good thing. The first time I went to an interview... Um, as a young man to uh, Germany, and I was, I was told to address uh, the person who was interviewing me as Professor Doctor. And I was like, "Well, what is he? Is he a professor? <laughs> is a doctor? Is he a, you know?" But uh, so some people like titles and think they're very important. I think that actually they distract you from somebody's uh, work, and it's their it's their deeds, not their titles, that make them significant. That's a noble thought. I know. And it, neither of these things put me in a good light, I have to say. No, they do. Are, Deeds are important. What is exactly that you do? I'm a cell biologist. Uh, my interests are in membrane trafficking. So I'm, I work at a very basic level. I'm not interested in doing uh, uh, this, what they like Membrane to call. trafficking. No one knows what that means. Well, they do. Um, I mean, I don't know what that means. And, well, it, it, you see, you don't need to. Okay. The important thing is I that know what I human know trafficking is, and it's bad. <laughs> well, the, the membrane that. trafficking is good and bad, but it's basically what are they maintains... in contain cargo containers? Yes, in at... a way, they are actually. So you, I mean, think about the inside of a cell as being a system of different membranes, different identities, different compositions, and there is traffic between these to maintain that identity. That actually maintains the structure of every cell in your body. And it, it, it determines the behavior of the cells. All cells in your body are different. So, for example, a long axon, a neuron in your spinal cord would have to transmit cargoes from the cell body that could be several millimeters or even a lot longer away from, from the business end, the, the actual connections with muscles or connections with other neurons, that sort of thing. So when my is, kids talk about Shane... Uncle Shane, they basically just say you're solving cancer. Yes, well, it, it, that's, it, that's what they say. They don't know about the membrane trafficking or cells, or they just say Shane. He's a he's 
going to solve cancer. Well, me and about so one million other people on well, the no, planet. Well, no, they only know you, so... But I couldn't promise to be solving cancer. I, you know, one of the membrane trafficking in... You're just modest. And cancer is something I'm interested in, but I can't promise to solve anything for you or for any of us. One in two people will get cancer in their lifetime. Did you know that? That's the no. current statistic. So That's terrifying. It is terrifying. Um, but we won't die of it, though, right? Well, Because men... Like nearly every man that dies has prostate cancer, but they didn't die because of prostate cancer. That's right. So, um, but that's not, prostate cancer is not, it's a one of the big ones, the big killers. And many people are more likely these days to die with cancer than from cancer. That's true. So you you hit the statistic, we're still dying of cancer. We're, the diagnosis is, is a, a lot more frequent amongst people that are born after 1960. That includes both you and me. All right. Shane um, was born nine days before me in 1969. So yes. we, I like to say we were born in the 60s. So one A of us is going to 60s. be diagnosed with cancer sometime in our life. That's either you or me. Or Who's if there are four be? people in the room, My money's two on of them me, would actually. be. I don't think, I so. think so. But you're a vegan or something. Yeah. Right. The other thing that you've got to contend with is the air pollution in London. How's your asthma? I remember as a kid, you had really crappy asthma. I did. That's, that's right. And it's very different now. It's still, um, I still take drugs for it, but I don't have attacks of asthma. I don't have the sort of acute asthma attacks. Because London air pollution, I forgot how, I mean, I've just been here a day and you already feel it in your throat. Mm. The diesel from the taxis, from the buses... More, I think more people die from air pollution in London than nearly any other city in Europe. I'm sure there are worse cities, actually, for air pollution, but it's Paris bad. It's bad, still yeah. bad. Yeah, I think it's still bad. Um, I spent most of my years in central London. We're surrounded by very busy roads. There's a lot of... I don't like it. It's really... Uh, it's not nice. But actually, the level of pollution around here... It's, the data is accessible is not as bad as you'd expect and that's helped by the fact that shane he actually is like the prototypical 21st century man you don't drive did you ever learn how to drive no no so because you, no. you don't need to you're a londoner no i think that i meet people who don't and it's i know that elaine my mum, she never learned how to drive it's true i think there are lots of people who don't uh, for different le reasons. If I'd grown up in the countryside, I would. you have to drive to survive. Or if you grow up in almost anywhere in, in the US where you have to drive from one block to the next, so there aren't even sidewalks. We call them pavements over here. The sidewalk never yeah, ends. Sorry, where I the said, sidewalk ends. There was a nice children's book. Do you ever read that to Maeve? No. Yeah, it's like a poetry book for children. It's really nice where the sidewalk ends. What's it about? It's just like fun children's poems. There's one of them about where the sidewalk ends. Is it a <laughs> metaphor for something? I mean, there's I think it's of... a metaphor for what you're saying. That, you know, the, where the sidewalk ends, that's where real life begins. You've got the little plants that start growing and then it hmm. ends up in a forest. And... I like this idea very much, actually, yeah. that, that all the interesting things happen at boundaries. So, you know, it's not the paved areas are not going to be any way interesting. What's interesting is the, the, it's the crinkly bits at the edge. 
that's yeah. where um, you really need to focus on and you'll see the changes happen. That's really, I like that idea. The school that Shane and I went to is now a house in Grantchester, but it was at the edge of the meadows. I remember one of my strongest memories of Shane early on is the school that we went to was actually run by the Church of England. And uh, the big outing was to Grantchester Church. Hmm. And you'd go right up to the very top and there was a plank you had to cross across the bell tower. And Mr. Brewster hated me for obvious reasons. I was the only Jewish kid in the class. And did he know that? Probably not. Okay. But he I got this really huge fucking Bible, on... huge Bible, and I'd done something wrong. And um, he got the Bible, swung it back. I got like a sixth instinct that he was going to hit me. I ducked. He whacked Shane on the back of the head, and he nearly fell into the bell tower. And um, I remember you ran home, and your mum, who's fantastic ethel was like just absolutely furious with this guy for abusing you she was often furious with people well for, that, for good for that reason. reason yeah and yeah and I'm, I'm i value that i'm i'm grateful for that yeah so brewster this is a really interesting story to me because if brewster was actually trying to hit you with the bible yeah there's something very symbolic about that there is. then he also hit but then the he kid hit who, you. Was, who was irish yeah. so he tried yeah. to hit the jew and he hit, yeah. the, it's he like hit a the irish shaggy thing. dog story who was probably a Catholic, but we were really atheists. But the um, I was baptized a Catholic, actually, but things lapsed soon after. And now I have trouble even walking past the Catholic school. Certainly couldn't send Maeve there for the reasons we discussed. She's too independent. She can't take yeah, any kind of... Yeah, she's a free thought. spirit. You don't want to send her there. I'm sorry about that. Strike me down when I get to the... Or send me to hell or do whatever you want to do. But there's, Maeve's not going to cope in a, a catholic school so another thing shane's responsible for is my favorite drink being guinness hmm. your mum ran irish pubs what's the secret to a good guinness because they don't seem to be very many in america the secret to guinness yes is uh the thing was that guinness in london was pretty terrible and most of the irish em immigrants used to drink bottled guinness because at least it was brewed on the old sod hmm. right so uh Bottled Guinness to me was always a bit too fizzy. So Guinness is a very interesting colonial drink, actually. And uh, the name Guinness is not an Irish name, so I'm sure that they weren't originally Irish. But the secret to a good pint of Guinness is simple. It doesn't have to be brewed in Dublin, all right, as everyone said. You just have to sell a lot of Guinness and clean the lines that supply the draft Guinness, all right? If you don't do that, then the Guinness goes yellow. It's horrible. It doesn't taste fresh. It's just mm. it's just an awful pint of Guinness. So you will find the lines. that the pubs, yeah, clean the lines that supply the Guinness okay. from the cellar. That's good to know. So, and you, you can't need really to sell go a into a pub Guinness. when the Guinness is shit and say, have you cleaned your lines? Or you can't. I mean, is that that's an appropriate what thing? What I do, to do is simple. It's a, yeah. All you do is look around the pub. If everybody's drinking Guinness, then you know it's going to be selling a lot. So the lines are going but to in be. In America, cleaned. no one fucking drinks. They're just drinking Coors. You're going to have to get a bottle Budweiser. of Guinness then. Okay. They're filthy, horrible beers, actually. <sighs> but, you know, there's a, the current trend for craft beers is a. Uh, it's something that, that I experienced, first of all, in Berkeley, California, where people were your friends, probably at Bolt Hall, your academic colleagues, were, um, <laughs> were brewing their own beer. I remember that. And it was good. I, was, I can't remember the names of anybody, but there was... Pete a, Quilter. 
Was it Pete? Yeah, yeah, your friend Pete. Yeah, he loved brewing beers. I forgot Yeah, he that. was the beer guy. Yeah. yeah. And his beer was good. The thing I'm amazed about, Shane, I've been here two days, is how much Trump is on the English news. Why, why, is, why is Britain obsessed by this Egypt? Well, I, th- I think he's a bit more um, pernicious than an Egypt, actually. Okay. But he's a... I just wanted to say... I think Egypt. it's deeply, deeply worrying. But you're, you're right. Actually, it's an interesting thing. Perhaps this country is using the the Trump phenomenon, um, this debacle of him being elected to a position that is is uh, so important for this country and for the whole planet. Actually, but they're using that to distract. But I don't think this is some conspiracy. I think this is something we're doing to ourselves. You know, I have to declare my interest slightly now because the thing is that I have a sort of love-hate relationship with the US. It's a place that I've been to a lot. Um, Many of my uh, friends and colleagues, academic colleagues over the years, I've been uh, really influential. They're all American citizens and uh, and live there. When I was young, I went to America and and that was... um, the most exciting time in my life. I was about my daughter's age and I was, I, I went to New York and I was just absolutely, I was expecting Spider-Man and Batman to start flying around. I mean, there were sirens. This was Manhattan in the seventies. It was hot. People were very cool. There was, uh, it was, it was like Saturday urban. night fever. Yeah. It was flares. a crazy place. Yeah. It was a lot Skateboards. of skateboards, but actually it was for me, it was, it was, so fashionable and far ahead that actually when I went to get a pair of jeans, they already had boot cuts. So they were, they weren't skinny jeans. So boot cuts. What we, I wanted flares because we, course, we were so behind. Flares. But flares were already over in New York. You couldn't go <laughs> to Saks and buy, you know. Shane was, was this obsessed with flares that one of our first deals that went sideways was I stole my brother's ABBA arrival record and he stole his mum's priceless penny black penny blue envelopes that had been in her family and we did a trade because i wanted the stamps he wanted the abba album we did it a, a, a few years before he got married i realized this wasn't a very fair trade so i gave him back the stamps on his wedding day do you remember that it was just too giddy a day i gave you back the stamps but my point, the, the only point that I'm going to make right I now, because need... we're in a room with all of Shane's records, is I gave you back the stamps, but where the fuck is my ABBA Arrival album? Is it in here somewhere? Uh, probably not, but I yeah. will get this for you. I remember it. It was uh, it had, it had the, the helicopter. helicopter on yeah. the front, yes. Those all sexy right. Swedish babes. Oh, my God. I could never really figure out which one was I fancied most. Right, but probably one of the two women. <laughs> Or not? Well, um, those yeah, guys were cute too. Were in their own way. Yeah, but no, no, it was, it was mostly about the women. Yeah, I'm v- very happy to say, actually, that you know there are many, many attractive men out there, and uh, you know, uh, Benny and B- Bjorn, I think their talents laid uh, lay elsewhere. <laughs> they laid elsewhere, probably. Uh, but the, were they a couple? They were okay. Just, so I, I'm just trying to okay. So you're actually. trying to get the boot cut oh, in yeah. Times Square. You get them. You're, you're the hip. Shane was always like the hipster. His mom was super hip and cool oh, and young. And I'm glad you like said Shane that. was super that. hip. He'd bring back from New York when all of us were just, you know, eating Mars bars. I remember he brought back um, ice cream that was freeze dried from some NASA something. Do you 
remember that? No, I don't remember yeah, that at all. But um... and and a skateboard. He was like the first one to bring a skateboard. Skateboards, I remember. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's your ambivalency towards the United States of America? So you've got lots of friends. This it sounds like, you know, there's a big but coming out. i got lots of friends and colleagues who are U.S. citizens. I had a great time in the U.S. Yes. I was inspired. But the, so the but, negative times, yeah, that's yeah. how you break bad news, yeah, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. Offer some good, well, no, I'm not. Shane works in a medical school, so he's a professional at breaking bad news to people. No, I never have to do that. No, you told me there was someone that failed out last year. You had to tell them, yeah, you didn't have the grades. Sorry. Well, I often have to do that, but <laughs> usually it's somebody else. Is it usually a technical sort of matter? Okay. They know okay. it's going to happen yeah. because they they get constant feedback. But yeah, all right, if that so, helps you. Yeah, <laughs> but let me break the bad news. It's not yeah. so bad. Okay. What I, it's okay, really I'm more of a down. personal relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how is that? Is that it's chair comfy, okay? Yeah. Jared is Shane's really on the chair tall, from, and uh, so uh, he told me that the chair that was appropriate to my height, five ten, is his daughter's. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Shane. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah. It suits you. I appreciate it. Okay. So what's the bad news? I'm dying to know. No, it's not. This is much more a personal, personal relationship with the US. And it's, um, you know, the things that infuriate me about America are, um, the, the things that should be staring it in the face, the divisions among the society that, that are everywhere all around. The fact that immigrants are both welcomed and, reviled at the same time as it's full of these conflicts and society is incredibly fragmented there's still the idea that um that there are ghettos all right now if you take a city like london i'm sure there are different areas socioeconomic differences are, are stark um but they're not as sort of as sudden if you're traveling in a car or a bicycle across town um the boundaries are not just very sudden you don't go from penthouses on one one block to tents in the street, which we're increasingly seeing in London, actually. And, you know, my worry is that we, we're becoming more like that in London. Mm. All the good things about London are sort of uh, disappearing. I don't want it to end up more like the US. And yeah. I think that this is a global phenomenon. I think it's happening everywhere. That, it's that, so expensive, London. Which is ridiculous. I mean, I don't know how you, anyone lives here. It's just, it seems unaffordable like i one of the big reasons i wouldn't move back to england readily other than the weather is just so expensive you have to question where the money is going because uh i don't know the answer to that yeah. actually but well, some of it is you have to like the national health service is amazing and i agree i was suddenly thinking about the other day because elon musk gets so much attention Clive Sinclair, do you remember the C5? He yes. he basically invented the electric car. I mean, he probably yes. didn't invent it, but that I looked. I was looking at. He up. certainly developed. Yeah, it and so Clive Sinclair was a British inventor. He f- invented the first handheld calculator. He invented this computer, the first personal computer called the ZX80, and uh, he right. invented this car called the C5. He was the first to do it. But unfortunately, it was a piece of junk that got reviled. And, and... Well, it wasn't a piece of junk, okay. but it did suffer from, uh, because, you know, I played in them often. Yeah. All right? and they were great fun. Okay. Um, but they were, they were, depending on how you see it, they were So what do they either... look like, Shane? 
they but they look a bit like a slip-on shoe. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a tricycle. So it has a front wheel. It looks imagine a white slipper. It's like with an a front egg, wheel. Plastic. Yes. Well, it was made out of very um uh, a fairly lightweight but very hard wearing polypropylene type plastic. And but it, it looked so, kind of flimsy. Like if you But it was it suffered from very, very bad uh, press. So the press destroyed it yeah. and made sure that it didn't yeah. really sell. Which I'd forgotten. Which yes. probably hampered electric I mean, he did a lot for electric yes. vehicles, but at the same time when people in England thought about electric vehicles, probably until Tesla, they had this image of this absolutely um dangerous thing. I think it was it was really What year was that? It was like the eighties. Yeah, it was in the eighties. Yeah. It was about eighty three or eighty four, yeah, something like that. But it was I mean, he put an awful lot of his money that he made through the sales of his computers. From so he sold a lot of shares in Sinclair Research. He used that to finance this. He had great what parties. Really, I remember uh, you and I went to. That's right. No, yeah. he had. Um, Clive was an interesting sort of character because he, and is actually, yeah. Uh, that he he was a sort of playboy back in those days as well as yeah. as being a, an inventor and family man and and he and, had an uh, insane sociopathic son. Which one? Bato. Well, he wasn't really a sociopath. I For don't us, think he was. You remember, like, we went to his birthday party and he had air rifles and we had to run around and he was the only one who knew how to shoot them. And I think most of us got hit by him. By pellets, yes. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, just I mean, child's play. But it, it, I was remember it, it did yeah. hurt. Yes. Did, and well, Bardo, all, you're probably completely normal out there now. So I was just referring to the Bardo. I don't know about that. I think um, ten years old. So, uh, I mean, yes, you're right. In that sense, it was kind of it wasn't normal social behaviour. That's true. Um, but then, not many ten year olds were given free reign of of uh, you know a gun rack of of, no. of air rifles. And in England, that was particularly unique. That's true. I think. In a, I mean, I think that this country has always had a rather healthy sort of relationship with with firearms and things and now they're all banned of course we you can virtually and no one dies of getting shot in england i mean in comparison to other places comparison to the united and states the US, yeah i mean really just compared to the u.s um yeah the u.s and guns is a really complex relationship i hear that um deaths through opiates mm. is is now outstripping firearms they certainly contributed to Michael Jackson's death. Uh, Prince died of fentanyl overdose, intentional or a non-intentional overdose, and many others. It threatens all Western nations where opiates are available on prescription because these are prescription drugs. And we know that you can't actually interdict prescription drugs. You can't stop them being produced in, in factories. I mean, the things like fentanyl are such a potent drug that it can be weaponized. It's uh, 400 micrograms is is a dose. It's really a small, small amount, so less than a milligram, can be fatal to most people Incredible. unless they're very high tolerance. Yeah. So it's, it's really a dangerous drug. Um, it's a it's a large animal tranquilizer. It was used by Russian special forces to break the Beslan siege. I think what's striking is that the way drugs, dangerous drugs, are marketed is quite often with the knowledge that they are addictive and that people will become dependent on them. So 
this is something that is will never appear in any kind of print on the drug company mm. would never admit to but i'm struck by the uh the tactics that a drug street drug dealer would use in order to, that are very similar to the drug companies big corporations all right that tactics such as giving out freebies or making them you know two doctors that then give them to their patients and get Amazing. the patients hooked so those are exactly the same as a street in the... dealer in a highly competitive area right giving yeah. a reduced uh, or two for one deal or reduced price you only have to look around the street if you mm. know what to look for you'll see you know heroin users and people struggling on you know on the streets with uh, with addictions they're less likely to start with uh over the counter opiates in this country but that could be changing i mean if a doctor suddenly realizes that you're dependent on a codeine tripe drug a synthetic or semi-synthetic opiate uh, then they might cut off your prescription you won't be offered any kind of rehab yeah probably uh then you have no choice but to seek you know illicit sources of of opiates which means heroin on the street here it goes back to the question why are they prescribing it in the first place now often it's pain yeah but that pain could be treated through physical therapy it Possibly. could be i was reading about this study in germany that the number one cause of lack of worker productivity in Germany is backache. And they looked at all these different treatments, and the one that worked the best um, was having a group psychology session that yes. a lot of the pain in the back came from mental stress and anxiety, had nothing to do with the pain that we think is just purely physical. And yet in the US, no one wants to do that work. They just want to You've got a problem, here's the drug, it's the easy solution. And the insurance companies, it's much cheaper to give a drug yes. out than it is to prescribe physical therapy where you've got to go time sure. after time. My invitation to Shane is longstanding. I want to get him back out to San Francisco. Um, the last time he came out was when in was the it? 90s. But before that, the reason that I became a vegetarian was that Shane and I... Shane, you know, there's not a lot of good quality, inexpensive meat in the UK at that time. So when he came out, we went to Lake Tahoe and we bought about five pounds of steak for the two of us, chicken, then hamburgers. And then unfortunately, we also bought some hot dogs, which at the end of this large banquet meat feast we had the hot dogs, which we had forgotten to cook. So I got meat poisoning. See, I ate 12 of those. I didn't yeah, get any kind no, of meat poisoning. Exactly, because you've got, you're made of stronger stuff. We've always known that. Are you, are you sure about that? I don't, I, I don't know. I think that must be the reason. But when people ask, Jared, why are you vegetarian? I just give a one-word answer, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you've got a lot to be proud of. So <laughs> if I do live healthier, it's also because of Shane. Um, so I appreciate it. It's Thank good. you. And well, I'm very. Uh, it's a pleasure. And you saw me last night eating a salad. Yeah, I was so impressed. A very large yeah. salad. I had no meat yesterday no. at all. This is what you do. And for Shane, me. Shane's. You tell us about you. No longer. You went off caffeine, alcohol. That's right. Weed. What else? Oh no, I haven't smoked any kind of. Uh, I haven't smoked anything. Any so you're like going. Completely the opposite direction of the United States, where people are moving. 20 years, that's a long yeah. time. Oh, yeah, it's been forever. I, you know, um, giving up coffee has been very, very difficult 
not because I experience any kind of withdrawal. It's just that I I miss it so much. I really like the taste. Yeah. Shane, I've got to go and meet up with Boris Johnson's dad, Stanley. So I'll speak to you soon. See you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Shane, thank you for being my best friend forever. I feel crap that we haven't been in touch lately, but one of the great things about Shane and I is that no matter how much time passes, we pick up just where we left off. Shane, I hope you and Mary Rose and Maeve are doing well. Thank you so much for being part of the Podship Earth journey from the entire Podship Earth crew, sound engineer Rob Spade, executive producer David Kahn, and from me, Jared Blumenfeld, Please take care of yourself and maybe give your best friend a call right now. <laughs> <laughs>